My name is Mike Brampton. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. And I'm Julian Hode. And tonight we're going to be talking about... Who? And, and babies. Practice teams. And working in a no-blame environment. And we're going to discuss all of this with Lou, the vet nurse. Let's get her in. Hi, I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Hope. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. We interrupt the show for an important announcement. Hi there, dedicated listeners. We just wanted to take a little time outside of the show as we've got something very exciting to share with you. We have exclusive Veterinary Ramblings merchandise available now, including T-shirts, mugs, posters and prints. Now, personally, I think my favourite is our T-shirt with a hilarious diagram of cat anatomy, yep. which has been revised to include their sandpaper tongue and treat-detecting ears. And essential for all veterinary students. If you would like to show your support for the show, head over to veterinaryramblings.com and select either the merch button for a one-off purchase through our T-Mill store or select Become a Patron. I'm sure you'll be absolutely chuffed to know that everything on our T-Mail store is fully sustainable, carbon neutral and shipped in plastic-free packaging. By making a one-off purchase, you will help us to plant more trees, save water and reduce carbon emissions. If you want to further support us, become a Patreon and receive items you cannot get through one-off purchasing. A shout-out on the show, an exclusive Veterinary Ramblings content. Every single purchase made will really help us keep on interviewing amazing guests. But if nothing else, we do appreciate you tuning in. Now. Now. On with the show. Here she is. <gasps> oh, oh. Let's get Lou the vet nurse in. Hi, Lou. Lou. It's been like forever. <laughs> Hello. Hi. I'm like a kid in a sweet shop now. There's so many things I want to know about your career and what got you started and what your interests are. Tell us everything, A to B. Let's start with, I wanted to be a okay, vet nurse so when from, I was. What, from the, yeah. Yeah, so basically it actually started um, from a sort of a few bad incidents with pet hamsters. So I had pet hamsters to start with, like most children do. They're not the best pet, to be honest, because they live for two years and then they die and it's really traumatic every time, but then you get another one and then it dies after two years and it's really traumatic. Um, but I always used to absolutely adore going to the vets with my mum with the hamsters um, for them to get their medicine, which was always the same thing. And I'm sure we all know what that is. Um, <laughs> hopefully things have changed since then. Um, and um, every time I used to go into the vets, I used to absolutely adore it. Um, at that point, I d- didn't actually really know what a veterinary nurse was um, because you didn't really see them. They were very much out the back, not in the consult mm. room. And I, that's obviously changed now too, which is great. Um, but I got some work experience when I was 15. And, and during that placement, I was like, wow, there are veterinary nurses. And I sort of at this point knew what a veterinary nurse was, but not to the extent of how much they, they were doing in practice. Wow. Um, and I thought to myself, actually, I quite like what they're doing. And I think what they're doing appeals to me more. So, you know, we, we have a very similar role in a lot of ways but it is very different as well and for me I wanted to be really hands-on um you know in the kennel with the patient all day every day um I had an interest in anesthesia at that point already it fascinated me um and then I got a evening and weekend job at my local practice literally cleaning that's all I did for two years cleaning 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 waiting for a student position to come up started full-time and then had to wait another year or two 
to start training. So I had quite a slow transition into practice, but then I had a long wait to really kick my career off. Um, and then, yeah, so from 15 and I'm 30, how old am I now? 33? <laughs> no, 32. Oh, I don't know. I actually don't know. <laughs> but it's been I've basically been in practice my whole life that's what it feels like my whole sort Mm. of adult life I've been nursing now um and it's interesting sorry sorry to interrupt you there but you you talk about um the 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 similar roles of of vets and nurses uh and there's a there is a convergence there isn't there Mm. but um there's there's a the expression isn't there that we use in veterinary medicine cats are not small dogs uh, and it's a very similar sort of expression. Vet nurses are not small vets, or vice versa. Um, the, the roles complement each other, and they should complement each other perfectly, shouldn't they? Uh, yes. And, and there's no there's, there's no easy way to define it. There's, there is an arrogant way, as a vet would, would perhaps use it to, to define it. There, there is a, um, a petulant way that a nurse could use it to define it. But actually, none of those are helpful. The, the two roles could not exist certainly these without, days, each without other. the other mm. absolutely yeah where I work um, and other practices I've worked I've always felt like we're on the same team um, and yeah that's the whole vet led thing mm. again isn't it I love it so it is absolutely we, we in my practice nothing happens without the vet and nurse or vets and nurses deciding what order to do things in what the analgesia protocol is, what we're going to achieve, how we're going to do it, and, and when everyone's ready and, and and on board with all that, then we can get cracking. But the, re- the reality, they're, they're, the reality in Julian's practices, until the nurses say it's okay, nothing happens. Absolutely. And then, and then the absolutely. nurses tell the vets what they're going to do, and then yeah. the, the vets do it, and then the nurses tell them what they've done right and what they've done wrong. Yeah, yeah. See, as a clinical right. director, most we, of we my need time to get Marie on the show. We should, we should get Marie, my, my, one of my nurses, my head surgical nurse, who's brilliant. And I, I'm, I'm usually, I'm up in the office pushing paper clips along very precisely until she says, right, okay, dog's ready on the table, come and, come and do it. And, and then, you know, that, that's it, that's the vet head team. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like, it doesn't have to be so sort of, oh, this is my job, that's your job. It's, it's, it's really... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's thinking in the modern in the modern mindset sort of. I know we can be set in our ways, but if if we can help each other do our jobs easier and better, then why would you not want to work with each other and delegate more? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's more cohesive. Yeah. It's more fun, yeah. and the patient gets the better like better care as well. You know, if you mm. have four members of staff all um, standing together talking, two nurses and two vets, everyone has different experiences. Let them talk about it. Let them share it. And sometimes you'll find, yeah, that's a really good idea. I hadn't even thought of that. Um, that should be encouraged, not, gosh, I'm, they're telling me what to do. It's not like that. That isn't the, that's not the approach that yeah. I really try and promote. It's um, sharing experiences. You know, why do we all do CPD? Because we want to learn more. And if you don't share it, what's the point? You know, you, it, it's so much, it, it just means so much more if you can use it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and we all have different viewpoints. So I, I really look for my nurses to be able to say to me uh you know i'm the surgeon i've done a great job fantastic it's all, all well no it's in pain oh, oh, oh. okay right uh, not no it can't be i've given it methadone it's fine it's in pain it needs something else okay what should we do how are we going to do it um and, and i mentioned pain relief before pain relief is, is the uttermost part of responsibility i think of that team isn't it 
making oh. sure our, our patients are comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, we're the ones watching the patients after the procedure. You know, if we're just following a tick mm. box and doing what the vet said six hours before, but actually it's not cutting the mustard, then we should feel that we can say, do you know what, actually, this, yeah, like you just said, this patient needs more. Um, you know, and, and why as nurses can we not make suggestions? But, you know, at the end of the day, the vet makes the final decision because they're prescribing, which is the code of conduct. Perfect. Great. But, um, you know, if I've been on an analgesia CPD and I've done a webinar the week before and it tells me about something really sexy, you know, mm. I'm going to suggest it, aren't I? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how we all learn, isn't it? But would you have suggested this as a 15 year old getting into anaesthesia? Um, I think I think as I've got older, I would um, <laughs> I I've got more confident about um, sharing my knowledge. But I think as the profession, we've changed as well. And I think there is a bit of a movement going at the moment in how we act with each other in practice. And I'm really keen to keep, like push that as much as I can because I think it will keep more people in the profession longer. Um, yeah, there, there is there is quite a move on that. I mean, you, and you're involved in this in this movement, aren't you, through the RCVS and, and other bodies. Uh, so what, what are the key changes that you're seeing then? I mean, you're, you're involved in them, you're seeing them. You've mentioned COVID, and I want to come back on to COVID and what we've all gone through, because that's that's changed your life quite dramatically, hasn't it? Oh, yes, it, but, it did change. But um, we'll, we'll yeah, I think that changed. Yeah, <laughs> trying to stay on topic. Um, yeah, changes that are coming in. Well, you know, we have the schedule three um, review at the moment, but that's all about giving nurses more responsibility in practice. So that's being able to happily say to us, do you know what, you can do that, and then they're allowed to delegate it rather than right. probably being allowed, maybe being allowed or not being allowed. But really, we should be doing it. So what? So what sort of things? What sort of things are you looking there? To, to be delegated what what sort of things because nurses have got a lot of high quality skills um, yeah i think um, they're restricted like, by schedule three from practicing some of those skills because it has to be done under the direction of a veterinary surgeon who may actually not be in the same room yeah and like some i mean for example you know when um, they first started talking about making changes the headlines are all about nurses doing cat castrates and i was like really you know of all the things we're going to get excited about cat castrates you know a stitch up's more exciting than a cat castrate and we can already do that um now i'm not saying don't let us do it because i do think it is definitely a task nurses should be able to do um but for me as a nurse that loves anesthesia um you know with monitoring at the moment monitoring and maintenance is a little bit of a gray area so um, as a veterinary nurse, I can um, monitor under the direction um, and also maintenance. But any changing of anaesthetic depth, we're supposed to communicate with our veterinary surgeon. So every time I touch that dial, literally every time, um, we're, we're supposed to communicate it. Now, of course, we all do that. Mm. Yeah, I, was um, say, I, I, I can say, I can sense a conflict here because it's, good, it's just good really difficult. Yeah, because good anaesthesia practice will tell you that you're going to communicate to the team that you've made a change. Um, yeah, but it, but it's like, you know, if um, as far as like dealing with complications in the anaesthetic when, you know, there's a bitch spade bleeding out, for example, um, if my veterinary surgeon is really happy that, you know, I, I'm happy to administer a fluid bolus, of course, I'm always going to communicate it. But I just feel there should be a little bit more autonomy and um, like sometimes they'll be like do what you think <laughs> that's finally do yes. what you think but because my knowledge because i've done more cpd in that area than they have mm. it's probably actually slightly better and i'm not blowing my own trumpet mm. but um you know it, anesthesia is, is, a, is a tough subject not everyone loves it and you, it is a bit like mustard you either love it or hate it don't you and i do find that 
the majority of vets I've worked with, um, unless they're anesthesia keynotes as well, um, are like, yeah, okay, yep, yep, do that, that's fine, that's fine. But it wouldn't yep. it be nice to, to me, for me to be able to do a certificate that allows me to do a bit more without having to sort of interfere there. I think you're ab- it's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. It's really difficult. It is, but I think you're absolutely right. Um, and there's, again, I'm mentioning allergies all over the place these days, but the old adage of anaesthesia is 99% tedium, 1% panic, isn't it? Is that 1% where you suddenly need to change something, there should be an autonomy of saying, well, actually, I, I spend all my time during anaesthetic monitoring the vet yes. will unless unless there is a dedicated veterinary anesthetist the vet spends none of his time or her time monitoring the anaesthetic and therefore the person who's monitoring should be the one who does the changing not the oh this is happening um i i, I say the, the, hello oh it's mm. sorry doesn't matter doesn't matter it's fine there, there should be that that ability within the early part of the monitoring when you see a fluctuation change there we go because half the time i'll be honest uh if i'm operating and the nurse says to me getting a bit light do you mind if i just increase the anesthetic i'm concentrating on putting a vein back together or something i'm not going to look up hmm, sorry yes uh what, what what are the what are the readings what is it it's just yeah that's fine great and I'm paying lip service to it. Mm. I, if someone says to me, can you monitor an anaesthetic? I'll do it, but I'll panic all the time thinking, I'm not doing as good a job as my nurse is monitoring. Yeah, it, it's trust, isn't it? You know, my team, mm. like I feel, I'd like to think that if they work with me, they they are really happy that if I make a suggestion, like I think it's it's, it's a valid one. And, yeah. off, you know, often they'll have, my, they'll have, they'll support me in my decision making but you know sometimes they will say actually no or no can we wait a bit or can we do this instead and that's fine as well but Mm. it's um it's very frustrating as a nurse I think in the current climate as it is at the moment to do certificates advanced certificates even the BTS nurses that are like hardcore have studied really hard done loads of case reports gone to America to an exam they still are on exactly the same sort of rule book as Mm. Um, other RVNs and I, and I do think it is time now for nurses to be able to be recognised for their additional qualifications like the veterinary surgeons are because at the moment there isn't really that there is no difference in practice to, um, from a nurse that's been in, in you know, qualified for a year versus 15 years with loads of um, certificates as to what they can actually do or not do it's exactly the same and I think now is the time to maybe have a little look at that yeah it's like make the most of your career do what you want to do but I think education and continued learning and development is what keeps you interested and motivated Um, and that's one of the bits of advice I always give to nurses when they say they feel a bit stagnant it's like set a goal what do you love oh I don't really love anything right now well what gives you a little tingle that Mm. little tingle is what you need to take hold of and you know make that your niche so absolutely absolutely for you Yes. Yeah, and ECC, anything super sick, really. I know that sounds quite morbid, but I love because it's like a big jigsaw and there's loads of different things you have to think about, fluid therapy, analgesia, um, all the monitoring. Oh, I just um, gets me all excited. I'm not going to go to sleep well, isn't there? The pressure yeah. It's the you, adrenaline actually, rush. If, if, I could, if I could blow your trumpet for you for a moment. So you, you, you've got the uh, the CERT VNECC, that's the Vets Now Emergency yeah. Clinical Care. Uh, qualification we got that in 2015 was that right I think so yes it was yeah 
Um, I, I say that as a question. I know it is because I looked on your website earlier. The <laughs> you've also got mm-hmm. the the ISVPS nurses certificate and anaesthesia, uh, yeah. which is uh, incredibly uh, highly rated. Um, yeah, I loved it. And, it was really good. And and all of that in in some way led to you. Uh, and, and, and the blog that you do has all led to you being recognised by your peers, which I think is is an incredible honour. Uh, and you were awarded the the RCVS Inspiration Award in 2019 uh, for essentially yeah. services to the vet-led team, weren't you? For, for veterinary nursing. Basically, yeah. I'd like to think uh, of it like that, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Well Thanks. deserved. And Thanks. cheers for that. I'll, ch- I'll ching-ching with my non-alcoholic beverage. I think you two <laughs> do have alcoholic beverages, don't you? No, it's just water. No. But, um, no. No. <laughs> oh, no. But no, I'm really proud of it. Um, yeah, it means a lot to me to have received that, um, being inspirational. But um, on the day when I was awarded it, um, I just felt really humbled because the reason I'm so in love with my job is because I'm so inspired by those around me. So my colleagues that I work with, nurses that I meet, other vets that I meet. Um, so I felt like although I got sort of the recognition for inspiring others, I felt like as a profession, I wanted to say thank you to everybody. Um, and specifically Louise O'Dwyer, because she was just like my biggest vet nurse idol ever. I was, oh yeah, she's amazing. And um yeah, I wish she, I wish she knew, but like how much she had an impact on my career, um, as she had she had many others as well. So um, yeah. yeah, it was really uh, yeah special, special, special thing. Oh, I think very very well deserved as well. It's very well, very well indeed. Absolutely, um, I keep thinking back to this sort of fifteen year old and, and wondering whether that fifteen year old who got an interest in anaesthesia could really see herself going that far. No, and to be honest, like this this whole last three years, it just went nuts. Like I started the blog at Christmas. I was really bored off work one evening. I thought, oh gosh, you know, uh, I feel like I want to start a blog. I'd, saw, I'd seen that Cat the Vet had a, a Facebook page and I thought, um, Cat Head Henstridge. And I thought, why are they nurses doing this? Like, you know, I'm not a shy person. I want to get out there. But then I thought, actually, who is my target audience? And I, I thought, thought to myself, well, actually, pet owners aren't my target audience. I wanted to interact and engage with other nurses. And that's how it all began. And then it exploded like crazy. And so many other opportunities have come out of it. And then it's been nuts, nonstop. So, so how, yeah. how, how do people catch up with that? Then? What's the what's the uh, what's the key words for this? Um, so my website, leadervetnurse.com, easy peasy. <laughs> and um, yep. for Facebook and Instagram, it's leadervetnurse. Easy. Everything's the same. Um, but yeah, I love talking with nurses. If they, you know, they have a, a you know, a nursing query, um, they need some inspiration, they want to find some good books to read, some articles, um, they're doing some audits, they want some support, like re- nurses reach out. And I love just chatting, especially being off work the last year, furloughed, pregnant. And then having the baby, it's been nice to still sort of feel like I'm part of the gang, although I haven't actually been in practice. Oh, you've blown it. You've blown it now, haven't you? What? What, what have what? I done? Bloody hell, Northway. I was going to feed into that. Oh, sorry. I was going to do, and you just... <sighs> Messed it up. Sorry. Do you want to start again? No, <laughs> no, it's all right. I'll just look rubbish. That's fine. I don't care. Oh, so, Lou, the last last year or so has been full of changes for you, hasn't oh, it? Yeah, crazy. Yeah, so so different. It went from being at like a hundred miles an hour to it just stopped overnight. Is how I felt, literally. 
and then I got sick with probably COVID. <laughs> and you were poorly. You were poorly for, yeah. for quite a while, weren't you? And, and off work. And and obviously, somebody took advantage of that situation. Oh, and no, that was before. That was, but it was before Christmas. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. But yeah. You were, you were yeah, taking advantage a situation of before Christmas. I was taking advantage of, obviously. Yes. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so and, and, and then, of course, you, you were pregnant. And then working from home and then furloughed. Yes. So you've got all of these things going on. All any 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 one individually is a life changing event for you. So talk me through because you, you got furloughed, and I, I seem to recall that you wanted to go back. Yeah, it was. It, I felt so com- conflicted because um, I think I've relied on my identity being vet nurse Lou for okay. the, so long. All of a sudden, it was like that's it, Lou. And I was like, oh well, what am I going to do now? Who am I? You know, out of work the last couple of years, all I've done is writing articles, doing Facebook posts, writing blogs, you know, in my free time, it's all I've done. So I haven't really had a hobby or anything else going on. (laughs) Um, So to be honest, it was a bit of a reality check as well that Mm -hmm. I needed to um, perhaps think of my identity without my uniform on too. And obviously now I have another role. So it's, it's fine. I feel like well not complete complete because I'm not back at work yet but I feel like I have a purpose because I felt like I lost it a bit okay yeah so so in the middle in the middle of the covid lockdown and like the whole covid pandemic you're giving birth to Max yes yeah yes I was alone in hospital for six days because of covid Right. In oh, a side oh. room because I, I was an MRSA carrier. Can you believe it? I didn't find out till the week before I had him. So they put me in a side room and Barry nursed me. So I was on my You're own. You're a carrier. Talk. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah so, and this is this is really interesting, actually. So when I was poorly last March, um, I had all the COVID symptoms and lots of other weird and wonderful ones, like a bilateral ear infection. And I went completely deaf um, and I had my ears swabbed and it was my ear swabs that came back MRSA positive. However, at the time, they told me my swabs were fine. But then when I was in hospital in um, one evening, I had to go in and be checked because he wasn't moving as much as normal. They were like, you're an MRSA carrier. And then they all swarm around me and maybe put gloves on. And they then kitted up even more. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Um, And then they sent me home with some hippie scrub and some stuff to put up my nose and said, you need to start um, therapy. And I was like, what? Where has this all come from? Anyway, but yeah, it was really interesting. And they said if I had been a human nurse, um, normally human nurses are swabbed like always anyway because of being Mm. in contact with humans in hospital and they often have MRSA. But I probably got it at work. So, okay, are you going to go back to nursing, Luke? Yes, I'm going to go back part time. Okay. Um, and I want to sort of take up, um, I want to carry on speaking. So I love, I love public speaking and going and meeting nurses and going into practices and just giving them little hints and tips. And they're like, gosh, you know, that makes so much sense and helping them improve standards. And I'm really hoping to, to like do a little bit more, um, quality improvement. So like getting them into auditing and things as well, mm-hmm. when, when time allows to go and do that, because it's so important and more practices will be doing it in the future. So, yeah. Yeah. In fact, you—you, you, I, I read one of your articles earlier on about um, neutering. Yes, and how no no neutering is just the neutering. Uh, I probably misquoted the the name of it, but you were talking about um, complications, uh, post op complications. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, 
So I was going to say, it came out from that article, like how, how deeply concerned and, and, and interested you are in getting every single case as good as it can be by looking at complications, errors, improvements of every other case. So how, how would you go about doing that? So say you were invited into a practice to, um, to, to, to improve their post-op complication rate. What, what would yeah. be your, your top tips for that? So firstly, to you can't improve unless you know how you're doing already. So that's like where you do sort of like your your own benchmarking audit. So in a month or you could just do two weeks to start with if you wanted to. Every patient that comes back to the practice, um, you could either set up a questionnaire or just have a very simple scoring system um, like the um, using the RCBS knowledge clinical audit template, which you can download um, and just recording it. And then at the end of the two weeks, look at what your complication rate is and then have a chat and think about, you know, what's influencing this? Oh, well, on the clinical notes, it actually said that the owner did, did, wasn't given a buster collar or um, wouldn't refused it or um, owner said let off lead on the second day. So then you can start thinking about, well, how can we communicate better with the owners? Um, what advice are we giving? Is everyone giving the same advice? Um, and then making a few adaptations and then re-auditing and seeing if you make improvements month to month. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in my practice, in a, um, normally I would audit, I think, about 200 patients a month um, that were just having neutering. Before I started auditing everybody, which was then like 400 animals, which is a lot. Um, and then, again, as I say, just like looking at, well, what was going wrong, really, and how we can make things better. Um, and then once you start engaging the team, saying, oh, did you know that that dog castrate that you saw, this happened? Um, and then we've, we've changed this. And this this month, we've only had, you know, 5% complication rate versus 15%. And i like, wow, that's really, really cool. Um, and I find that sort of telling everyone the results, some, some months aren't as good, don't get me wrong. Like, you do have months which are worse than the month before. But then it's thinking, like, what what's different this month? Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's as simple as the weather. You know, if you have a really wet mm. month and they're, they're taking their dog castrates post-op out for walks and all that mud is splashing up on the castrate wound. Yep. Well, you know, is that an influencing factor? Possibly. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, if I was going to go into a practice, I would say do a benchmark audit, have a team <laughs> meeting. How do you how does everyone think they're doing? Um, and a discussion for change and in, involve everybody that's involved in, in, in sort of giving owners advice and looking after the animals in, in the practice as well it's a team it's a team approach so yeah absolutely so go on mike sorry you, you, you. well i was going to say i mean you you've been out of out of practice for a while and and obviously mm. because you've been on, on maternity and there have been a whole raft of changes that we've we've been discussing on on veterinary ramblings for the last year or so um with regards to that i'm wondering do you think that those sort of things will make auditing more difficult it depends what exactly it is you're specifically auditing. I think the post-op neutering, not so much because you still take the animal in. I think maybe the communication with the owner may not be as thorough because you're, you know, doing it outside, it's cold, you might not take as much time, you know, have going through everything as thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you might actually find that things are better. So you're not having as many cases of, um, you know, canine diarrhoea because the dogs are not socialising as much, you know, little things right. like that. I don't know. But... Um, yeah, I would love to. No one, I don't think, unfortunately, anyone's been auditing whilst I've not been there <laughs> because right. um, they've been a bit short 
staffed and it's been extremely busy um but i hope to get back on board and i hear we have a new computer system which does all the sort of um i have to manually i was manually inputting all the data myself but now our new computer system does that for me so hopefully my life's going to be much easier Mm, (laughs) will that will that allow you to audit Yes, it, yeah, it's got that feature built in, which is fantastic. And I really hope in future that all systems have um, it built in because I think the thing that puts people off auditing is the time it takes because you do have to be dedicated to do it unless you have a system like that. So, you know, I was allocated um, a half day once a week to input data and that was me sat at a computer going through every clinical record, typing in all the details. You know, it's time consuming, but... Um, wow. Yeah, a bit addictive though. I've now, I'm now sure. logging every time my baby eats, poos, pees, and sleeps. So it's, it hasn't really ah. stopped. These can be very addictive. Okay, so, mm. so so taking from your experiences of motherhood, which you've just shared there, are there any things that you would take from your experience? Lock, lockdown, COVID, MHRA, new mum, saw somebody twice. Are there any things you take from that experience that we can spin over into the veterinary field to help our communication to our clients improve or, or, or yeah. better? What, are there any take-homes from that? Well, it's quite. I feel a bit conflicted on my experiences so far because the actual day I gave birth to Max, the communication was fantastic. I had my own midwife all day, which actually ended up being the sister of one of the vets I used to work with, which was a bit weird because they look a bit similar. So I felt a bit uncomfortable when I was in certain precarious positions um, trying to get him out. Um, But sort of comforting that it was a familiar face at the same time. But anyway, so that was amazing. Um, But around that, really... um, I just thought how lucky our patients are as in um I I don't know really how to put that I just think because I think I was in a side room on my own and I understood what was going on that almost made it worse (laughs) um and you know with with Covid you saw the strain through um, the midwives eyes that they were around you know they were doing their jolly best um the days that I was in but they were so busy and understaffed and it was really tough to be honest really tough but um I I just thought to myself do you know what every bitch I've ever looked after that's welt they've got better care than I've had either side of having my <laughs> birth, giving birth to Max yeah so yeah, yeah I, I felt like a dog the whole time. I was comparing everything that happened, you know, the drugs that I was having. They gave me some um transamic acid because I hemorrhaged. And I thought oh, I, I was telling them that we give it to greyhounds <laughs> because they had yeah. delayed quite yeah. a lot of these. And they were like, Oh, that's so interesting. Then they gave me some morphine and it made me feel really sick. And I was like, We don't use morphine, it's not licensed, and oh, it's disgusting, it's awful. We use methadone. And they were like, Oh, that's really cool. And you can imagine me in theatre, can't you? They were probably like, Oh, shut her up. <laughs> 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 but anyway, I, I found it fascinating. Like, and I had an epidural. That was amazing. Like, highly recommended. Yeah, mm-hmm. do that. Always do that. That's leave the veterinary advice to any mums out there that's going to go through it the first time. Have one, especially if your baby ends up being over ten pounds. Recommended. <laughs> he was ten six actually. Oh my goodness yeah. me! So uh, you're not back to horse riding just yet? Oh no. 
no, I'm never going to be the same again, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like um, all those times that all the drugs they were using and they did a sur- sa- um, surgical safety checklist before they cracked off, cracked on doing what they were doing. Um, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It's interesting <laughs> to know that there are lessons we learned each way. Uh, they, they have surgical checklists, safety checklists, and they have processes in place that, that, that mm. uh, make us very envious. We have, for most of our patients, the time that they're not at liberty to give because they're so pressured, aren't they? I think it's fair to say, oh, yeah. even before the COVID pandemic, that yeah. the NHS deals, I think, incredibly well with, with understaffing and poor management. Um, I just don't, I just really yeah. felt for them. So, Lou, presumably you're using um, reusable nappies and uh, washing four or five uh, every hour and, um, or, or, not. or not. I wish we, I, we, I should. I know no, I should. Do, do you know, we, we went they down. They poo so much. Room. We went, oh. You can't. We, we thought. I can't. We got, I, I, would go mad, I would go mad. I can't. I know. We got, before we had our, our first daughter, uh, we looked into the reusable nappies and there was a there was a um a company that would collect the the empty the, the empty the used uh cloth nappies and take them away and clean them and bring them back and it, it was great you could get these liners made out of seaweed or capoc or coconut or whatever and it all sounded brilliant it sounded great fun uh this oh, wonderful so we can do this and and not use those awful awful landfill nappies well let's do that it lasted less than two hours mm-hmm. <laughs> because with sleep deprivation, i just can't, like, I just can't believe how much they poo it's it's hardcore it's isn't it the first right week the of the neck, isn't oh, how does that even happen though it shocks me every time and i think oh like we had an accident today and um yeah, it's um, but it, I think pet nursing has definitely prepared me for baby poops. Actually, it's not that bad. Does it smell that bad at all? Does it? No. Um, you know, whilst no. my husband's gagging, it's not, I'm it's like, not terrible. What's going? What's wrong? It's fine. It's not hemorrhagic diarrhea. You know, it's fine. Absolutely. The smell. The smell wasn't the problem. It's the ones that that shoot up the back of the nappies and get to the back of the neck, and you're thinking, how? How did that happen? Yeah. How am I going to clean this up? And by the way, yeah, it's now over all my clothes. And you answer the door, don't you? You, you just rub your and nose. And then they put their foot in it and, and then their hand in it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know that yeah. you're talking to the postman who's delivering a parcel and you've got some baby crap, a bit Adam and the Ant style over your nose. And he's looking and he's saying... It's, hard, it's hardcore. It really is it's hardcore. Fine. It's like fine. being on call 24 hours a day. That's how I, 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 what I compare it to. Like you've always... You've always got that low level of adrenaline going, just keeping you going, like when you're on call. And then when you actually can go to bed to sleep, you're like, <laughs> because you're just waiting for the next call, basically. Eyes wide open. You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so um, yeah. I just think it's very similar. Add Adam and the Wait. Ant. Add Adam, Adam the Ant. Adam and yeah. the Ant. What's what? Adam, Adam and the Ant. He had this stripe, didn't he, over his nose when he, when he dressed... Oh, yeah, this might be a bit before my time, I'm afraid. Sorry to say that, but it might be a bit before my time. Yeah, I thought no. so, Julian. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was. It was. I, I, my, my older, much older brother told me about this pop group in which there was this guy called Adam who played with a group called the Ants, and he he's, used to have not baby shit, but you know, 
white lines drawn over his nose. I never saw it, obviously I was far too young, but um, I'm going to change the subject to, uh, to, uh, so lions, you like lions, do you? <laughs> Mm, I've always I don't I can't tell you why I just think they're amazing God, you can tell us them. why we're friends I can't that's the thing no. I can't even tell you why what about, because what about tigers oh, I you see I'm like sorry you're joking I'm with you I just don't I don't know what it is I just don't love them as much I just something about a lion specifically lionesses I just love them I think they're just strong and they're hard working maybe they're my role models I don't know <laughs> they do all the work they crack on you know they How go you, and uh, hunt and so so if you if you had a if you had an avatar or a spirit animal then would that be a lioness oh no if i if my spirit animal i'd be a pigeon <laughs> literally oh, just, why yeah just because i i just think i'm a bit of an idiot like dopey and i flutter around and i'm like a hyper you know if, uh, at work i often think like i'm a you know really overexcited flappy pigeon well, I'm not flappy. I, I can be cool in an emergency, but just you know, a bit, bit extravagant in how I behave sometimes. Wow! <laughs> I, I, I don't think anybody, anybody who knows you, Lou, would describe you as a pigeon. I think the lioness, particularly now as a as a mum, is, is far more appropriate for you. I do you feel fer- ferociously <laughs> protective? It takes over. It's like I feel so protective over him it's insane I, I know when my, my uh, oldest daughter was was about four months old I was just I was sitting up in bed one morning with my wife and um looking at our, our daughter and I I just I saw this, this rage developed in me see where I can describe it this, this red film came down and I suddenly I turned to my wife and said if anyone ever ever harms her I'm gonna Bloody God. She said, no one is. Oh, no, but if they do, they're not there. Well, good. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I was thinking earlier, he's never going to have a driving licence. Um, he's mm-hmm. never going to drive anywhere. Um, I'm going to make sure if he that his girlfriend or his boyfriend, he can love who he wants, um, is really lovely. Um, and I am going to, I want him to be, I want to be me to be his best friend forever, basically. Oh. He's still going to have to fill in a 32-page questionnaire if he wants to date any of my daughters. Well, actually, that would be fine, but good, your daughter good. has to be prepared to be audited. So there we go. That's fine. That's <laughs> we've, we've done that. We've, we've, we've done that already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny, you do start thinking about the future, and I, I've been reflecting a lot on my childhood and like thinking, oh, my gosh, my mum. My gosh, like I totally took her for granted, and like because I'm a twin, you know, how the hell did she do that? You know, crazy. How did she manage two babies? And I've only got one, and it's chuffing hard work, you know. And she managed both yeah. of us. It's crazy. Yeah. So now, did you have a twin brother or a twin sister? A twin sister. And are you identical or not? We are officially non-identical. I have. I, I have a twin sister. Oh, cool. And Giselle, I know you. I know you're watching. Giselle, hello, right Giselle. There. Thank you very much indeed. Hi there. Thank you. Shout out to Giselle. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, she, she's lovely. She's great, and we're we're very very close. But one of the questions that we're always asked, or I'm always asked, is: um, You got a twin sister? Are you identical? Uh, well, no. I got I got no. the Willie. <laughs> what, what I what I normally funny, say it? is, yeah. I normally say she's more identical than I am. And they say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
to be people just don't think though it's like one of those automatic questions yeah. isn't it, it you is, don't it actually is. think about when you say it out loud mm. um but yeah we we're very different now very different yeah. but um when we were little yeah. we looked very similar she lives quite close um to me locally and she actually gave birth to a baby girl three months before I had Max so we've been support bubbling which has kept me sane um so that's been nice um I haven't been on my own with Max otherwise it would have been a very long five yes. months as you mentioned um she was your support bubble or you were each other's support bubbles uh after uh uh, after birth and of course when, when, when I had um, when I had my first baby and when when we had my wife and I had our first baby we, we went to antenatal classes and our support network were the people yeah. at, at antenatal and of course you wouldn't have had that would you nope I had no prenatal and no baby classes mm. after it's been it, that's been really hard actually although I have a lot of friends that have had babies it, being being able to talk to someone that's at exactly the same stage as you I think would have made a big difference like um but you can't change it it's the way it is every new mum in the last year has been in the same boat so that's why I just have to keep remembering and also being grateful that I have had my sister to spend time with and she's already been through it once before as well so she she's had all the questions all through the night and all the next day and she's been very patient with me well she's next it's really scary yeah. yeah well it's so scary having a baby they're so fragile when they come out and yeah. what's normal you know knowing what's normal it's like a whole new ball game yeah. and you can't really well in some ways you can compare them to puppies and kittens but in a lot of other ways you can't so there you we can't. go <laughs> you, you can't. so what what would your advice be then to to a veterinary nurse who's thinking of having a baby Oh, like go for it. Just have if the time is right. If well, not that there is ever a right time, really. I, I don't think. Um, you know, no, your career will always be there. Don't ever I, think I've got, the right time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got pregnant. I mean, like, I wouldn't say we we timed it exactly because we've been trying for quite a long time. But you know, I got pregnant at when my career was at its, you know. A massive point, and when I found out in the December I was pregnant, all of the follow last year I had a like a com- congress to speak at basically every month. Some in the UK, some in Ireland. I'd been invited over to Belgium, um, and I was you know I was going to do all of that, and then actually on reflection, <laughs> pregnant, I probably actually wouldn't have managed it because I found it really hard work being pregnant, like physically on my body. Mm. I, I didn't do pregnancy very well to be honest um but you know you, you probably did it just... better than Mike and I would yeah <laughs> well yeah women women are you know we're, we're tougher aren't we I think we're lionesses as I said earlier so um mm. <laughs> if you do get pregnant you have to put yourself first and you do have to step back from being full-on at work because it's really hard going you have to rest really important um so in a way it was a blessing in, dis- in disguise that I was furloughed and working from home for a bit dare I say it but um yeah your career will always be there you know as I say I, I could have viewed it that the door had shut when I got pregnant and yes to start with I did feel like that because then Covid hit and then everything was like cancelled and not happening um but then you know my job's still there and all the other conferences will start again and I'm going to get back out there so it's all good and it would mm-hmm. you know for everyone else as well so you're you're going to get back out doing your CPD, doing your lectures. I hope so. Doing yeah, it, in doing your it's all to do with time, to be honest. Because yeah. you know, as I said before, I was working full time and then sitting up to eleven o'clock at night every night and weekends doing stuff. Um, I can't do that now and be a mum. 
I think the profession has grown and matured a bit in that now there are the opportunities for the, the women in the profession to, to do that. There, there are the part-time jobs, uh, the job shares and yeah. things, which um, 25 years ago might qualify, that is weren't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And like my employees are really supportive. Like they basically said I can go back and work what I want really <laughs> which is lovely and um, yeah. even before I was pregnant with all my extracurricular nursing activities as I call it um, they were super supportive and because um, you know I often need time off work to attend meetings um, when we could go to meetings I have to go to the Royal College sometimes for ones with the BVNA for example um, and things like that so um, I think employers are much more open-minded now to you know vet nursing is in practice as well but actually there's you can have a lot more strings to your bow and they need to be flexible about that I think I think it's so important that employers see value in their staff and also encourage further development and training so you know sometimes for example nurses want to, want to do it certificates but they're really expensive and it's way above budget so oh it's off you know you can't do that then sorry um, but it's like why though because they're going to bring so many more skills back into your team they're going to share their knowledge hopefully if you let, let them and you've got that type of environment Mm-hmm. Um, and then your practice and your patients and your clients and you are going to benefit. So let them do it. You know, why do we have to keep having a CPD budget? It shouldn't be a budget. It should be what do you, why do you want to develop? And it's that reason that should be the reason why they're allowed to do it, I think. Yeah. Well, OK, so I'm wondering if you'll allow Julian and myself to help you get back into CPD. Have you come across the one minute CPD challenge? I have. So, So would you be up for that? Why not? I'll give it a go. What, <sighs> deep breaths, yeah. Okay, deep breaths. Prepare. Here we go. So mm-hmm. what's your topic? Okay. What would you like to do one minute CPD on? Well, I've spoken about it a lot already tonight. Um, quality improvement and human factors. I'm super passionate about it. I want everyone to get involved. So I'm going to talk about that for a minute. In that case then, Lou, Lou Northway. Oh my God, there's a time t- a countdown what? there. Yeah. Yeah, <sighs> and we music to it as well. Oh, my heart's racing. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Deep breath. Right. Take a non-alcoholic drink. You've 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 given you've given bigger lectures than this, and you've given birth to an amazing baby, baby boy. It's not pressure. Uh, There's no pressure. Okay. <laughs> so, so Hold on. One minute. One minute. CBD on what was it? Quali- Quality improvement in human factors. Starting now. Okay, so nurses in the audience right now, I want you to get involved in quality improvement and human factors. And you may be thinking, what the hell is Lou on about? Well, quality improvement is about looking at what you're doing already in practice and improving standards, because that is what you want. You always want to be seeking better. You might be sat there thinking, well, Lou, we're doing great. Well, that's great, but let's make it even better. And then human factors, what's that? Well, that's looking at the influencing factors around why we behave, how we do, and how we interact with each other in practice. Do we blame each other when things go wrong? Hell no, no, we don't. And that is what human factors is all about. So this is um, working as a team and to use every mistake as a learning opportunity. So it's not going home and feeling sad about something bad that's happened at work. It's thinking, how can we stop this happening again next time? And how can we work together? Because a mistake isn't just one person's fault. It's a chain of events. It's a team mistake generally. So let's work together as a team and make everything better. So we're going to improve standards, um, stop blame, start working together um, and be vet led. That is what we're going to do. Boom. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Awesome. Rocking it, Lou. Fantastic. Lou, that was great. Done. 
one minute. How cool. And I spoke as fast as I could. Most normal people would probably, that would be five minutes worth, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would, that would, you know, I think you would have well. done well on just a minute with that. There may be a couple of repetitions, but yeah, that was fantastic. It was Rocking really it. good. Really Rocking good. it. Lou Bettner's top quality, top draw stuff. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, I just want everyone to work together, basically. If that, that's just one thing. If, uh, I'm so happy in my practice and how all mm. the team work with each other. If I could know that that's replicated everywhere else, because I do hear that it's not, and nurses feel worthless, like, you know, their voice doesn't count. You know, we need to change that because it sucks. Um, and we need to start working together. So let's turn every negative into a positive, as cliche as it says, and let's learn together. Brilliant, Steve. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Well, listen, Lou, I mean, we, we, Wow. Banging, banging, one minute CPD. Amazing. I'm astounded. I'm going to put, to I'm going to put Julian on the spot here because, Julian, have you got a CPD certificate? Yes, yes, I have. Yes, I have. Go on here. Let's have a look at tonight's CPD certificate. And of course, everybody can download this and, and, and submit it. They the, just get a minute, a certificate for a minute. Yeah, no, no, yeah. it's the whole hour. No, the whole hour. The oh, whole hour. oh I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say, just that would be really the Royal College would be like, what the hell? At <laughs> least one minute. No, <laughs> well, we, th- we think the Royal College, uh, what the hell? We're waiting for somebody to actually say, upload one of these certificates. We, we really. just, I'm going to do it. I'll do it. Go on, go on. But then we go, I, I was hoping you'd like tigers because I got a picture. Oh. There's, a, there's a tiger. Oh. That's why. Don't worry, I'll let, I'll let it go. Marwell it's still a big Zoo. Cat. I, I love that tiger. But it's I still anesthetized that tiger. I think you might have done. I have done. Yeah, it's a oh, female I tiger. And I thought, because mm. because Louise means warrior woman. Oh, does it? Moon oh, I like Louis. that. So I thought, there we go. So what I'm, sorry, people people are listening to this and they, they can't hear anything, or they can't see anything. They're going to so think you've pic- lost the plot. There's a picture of a tiger, there's a picture of a tapir. <laughs> There's a picture of a little baby turtle just hatched from its shell, uh, wandering down the sand. There's also a picture of a, of a spaniel with, with several puppies, really to illustrate uh, your paper on on um, on auditing uh, neutering, which is very important. And oh, the read. yeah, what definitely worth a read. So, what does it what does it say across there? It says, it says quality, quality certificate. Yeah. This certifies that quality assessment has been carried out on this certificate and it could do better. Well, it could. I mean, <laughs> let's not be much here. We've talked about lions, not tigers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And to compare, so Lou, to compare Lou to a whelping spaniel is frankly offensive. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and but, it, but it's better than a whelping bulldog, isn't it? Well, or a whelping Frenchie, to be fair. Let's move on because there's, there's, there's our CPD certificate. Lovely. That's yeah. brilliant. Lou has nailed 60-second CPD absolutely brilliantly. But, and we have mentioned the RCBS, none of this will be to any avail unless we comply with the RCBS regulations mm-hmm. and reflect upon the CPD that we've had this evening. True. That's very true. Very true. So, Lou the Vet Nurse, could I ask you to join with us in a moment's reflection on the CPD that we've had this evening? 
Like reflection is really important. Reflection <laughs> is super important. Every end, end of every day, I always recommend you reflect on what went well, what went not so well, and what we could do better next time. And then you've always got something to work on, and it's always you're always moving forward. Then <laughs> that one minute CBD gives about four hours reflection, I think, because it's such an immense topic. It really is, uh, especially the no blame culture. That that's so important. Mm, isn't it? Absolutely, it's not a yeah. you did that wrong. It's a okay. This happened. How do we do yes. this? How do we do it better? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's all about the language and the approach mm. to how you deal with the situation because, you know, none of us want to make a mistake. No one goes to work with the intention of killing an animal, overdosing an animal, um, you know, um, miscommunicating something. But it, it happens because we're in a stress, stress, often quite stressful, high, um, well, high powered, very fast paced practice aren't you and you mm. just sometimes don't have time to think um and I think people get their confidence knocked a lot and mm. then they think oh, I'm, I'm worthless I can't do this I'm rubbish and they want to leave the profession because of how something's dealt with um and I think that's what we need to address the most in practice is yeah. communication you know we spend a lot of time going on CPD courses learning about clinical stuff but actually it's the the human side of it being human we need to focus mm. more on and that needs to be put in place during our primary training whether that be nurse training or vet training you know um yeah. how we communicate and it's a shame really yeah, many, dealing with things yeah it's a shame really because in many regards um we all th- go through our lives and we have hundreds of positive experiences and it's just that one negative that can unsettle us dramatically and it it doesn't you keep thinking about it yeah you keep thinking about it you you question your worth you question what you're doing and sometimes it doesn't matter that you've got somebody says you know but look at the hundreds of other examples uh you tend to focus on that one don't you and it's it's yeah you don't remember all the things that go well you remember that one thing that went really wrong like Mm. um slightly off topic but i had a client um a few years ago now absolutely totally verbally abused me she was totally out of order disgracefully out of order actually and you know what her words still go around in my head if i'm having a bad day and i and and you think that's just so wrong isn't it like that shouldn't be allowed like they shouldn't be allowed to get away with being like that um but you know these uh, these interactions we have each other with each other in practice. You know the rabbit. You know a rabbit dies, for example, under anaesthetic. Oh well, what didn't you do? What didn't you do right? You know what went yeah. wrong? You know that's yeah. the complete wrong approach and not what we want to be doing. So I do think it's important as teams we do training together on how to manage situations, and that's why I say like all the quality improvement in the um, human factors comes in it's just so important and i i think it will revolutionize our profession if we all take hold of it in which case look lou the vet nurse could i say a massive massive thank you for joining us on veterinary thank you for inviting me i hope i rambled well Oh, um, you've rambled brilliantly, amazingly. We've loved rambling with you. This is the most I've chatted for like this for probably a year, to be honest, as in length of time with back and forth communication like this. Uh, yeah, so I hope it's been okay. <laughs> it's been wonderful. It's been really We've good. loved having you on here. And uh, if, if any of our listeners or viewers has liked um, having Lou on the show and you've liked what you've seen, then don't forget to subscribe click like follow share it tell your friends about us and uh, if you'd like us to mention anything else in particular get in touch 
and we'll see if we can incorporate that in on on a show at some point in time so with no further ado thank you i'll raise a glass to lou the vet nurse thank you very much indeed and may, your dog, may your dog go with you may your dog go with you cheers you'll be we back soon scratch the surface there's so much about about you, about your career, about your, your, your interests that, that, that we could have chatted about. And as I said earlier, I feel like a, a boy in a toy shop. That I, I could just ask questions and, and keep going for, for, for hours and hours. But uh, it's been brilliant fun. It really has. Thank, thank you. So well, thank you for having me. Now, I love, I, I just, I'm really passionate about the profession. And there is so much that we could talk about. I could talk for hours and hours and hours and just go off on a complete tangent about loads of different things. <laughs> 